Chapter 6, Part 2 of Tales of a Vanishing River. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Hirsch. Tales of a Vanishing River by Earl H. Reed. Muskrat Hyatt's Redemption. Rat's sleep was much troubled. He awoke with a sudden start late in the afternoon, and lashed by an avenging conscience, slid his canoe into the river and hurried upstream to find the Reverend Daniel Butters, a venerable preacher who lived about six miles away. To him he would carry his heavy-laden heart, and in the consolations of religion seek forgiveness and peace. The Reverend Butters was known far and wide as Dismal Dan, and was referred to in Bill Stiles' chronicles as the Javelin of the Lord. He was an eccentric, heavily bewhiskered old character who believed in the church militant, and had exhorted, quoted reproving scripture, and made doleful prophecies in the river country for two normal generations. In the little weather-beaten country church up the river, his small audiences consisted of aged ladies and pious old settlers who were already saved and did not need the rescuing hand. He preached Calvinistic damnation in the belief that fear of hell was a more potent factor in human redemption than hope of reward. His principal authority on hell was Jonathan Edwards, a fiery divine, who glowed in Massachusetts about two hundred years ago. During his eruptive period, Edward's sermons on damnation blistered and enriched the sectarian literature of his time. Dismal Dan frequently resurrected and reheated these old printed sermons and hurled the sputtering embers at his inoffensive listeners. He had not made a convert for many years, of late his powers of spiritual persuasion had languished, and like his hearers, had become atrophied. He was a revivalist who did not revive. He needed new and pliant material, and when Muskrat Hyatt had told his errand, he was welcomed as one who had fled from among the Pharisees. Out of the wilderness of sin a lowly suppliant had come. They talked of the mysterious and unknown light that had illuminated the heavens the night before, and the terrifying sounds that had come over the water. Dismal Dan pronounced it all to be a manifestation. He had long expected signs and angry portents in the skies as a warning to sinners. Probably his biased mind would eagerly have ascribed divine origin to any natural phenomena that shooed fish into his ministerial net. They spent many days and night in prayer and assiduous scriptural readings. A faraway look came into Hyatt's eyes, and an elevation of brow that did not seem to be of this world. The spiritual calm of the neophyte within cloistered walls was his. He had laid a contrite heart upon the altar of his spheres, and on it rested celestial rays. 
he interrupted the period of his reconstruction with a trip down the river to visit Melindy Taylor. Just what passed at the duck farm was never known. But after three days, Melindy opened her heart of stone to the penitent. They came up the stream in the canoe, and, as the enraptured township correspondent of the county paper expressed it, they were united on the front porch in the sacred bonds of holy matrimony by the Reverend Daniel Butters on the afternoon of Thursday, the bridegroom being attired in conventional black and the bride with a bouquet of white flowers. Rat betook himself to the duck farm with his bride. He removed all his traps from the marsh, for he now considered the problem of his future earthly existence solved, without the necessity of very much hard work. He made frequent visits to Dismal Dan, but kept entirely away from the store. That place was a sink of iniquity that he desired to avoid. He and the old man spent many hours together that were sweetened with blissful discourse. Dismal Dan felt that a lifetime devoted to expounding the Gospels had found glorious fruition in the salvation of Muskrat Hyatt, and he was greatly elated by the sustained piety of the proselyte. He proposed to Brother Hyatt that they go together to the store, and if possible, convert the bunch on the platform. In his opinion, a successful attack on that citadel of sin would practically put the devil out of business in the river country. Brother Hyatt willingly consented. He was without fear of ridicule. He floated in an atmosphere of moral purity that the mockery of sinners could not defile. They took a Bible, two old hymn books, and some lunch to the canoe, and accompanied by the trustful and devoted spot, they proceeded down the river. They stopped at the houseboat and secured the gun and cartridges that the trapper had left in exchange for the dog, and went on down to the bridge. On the river they practiced some of the old hymns, in the rendition of which Brother Hyatt displayed a woeful technique. They finally gave up trying to sing them, and Brother Butters droned out the rhythmic lines in a most doleful way that Brother Hyatt soon imitated successfully. Brother Butters then outlined the form of exhortation that he would use at the store, and instructed his assistant how he was to cooperate with deep and loud amens whenever big climaxes were reached. Minor climaxes were to be left to Brother Hyatt's judgment. He was to watch Brother Butters, and when the forefinger was raised above the head, an amen of more than usual sonorousness was to be forthcoming. Brother Hyatt had studied the hymn books industriously, and had selected scattered verses that pleased him and seemed appropriate. They were laboriously copied on loose sheets of paper. It was his intention to introduce these snatches of hymns into Brother Butter's sermons with the amens whenever possible, and they both considered that holy power would thereby be added to the exhortation. 
the order in which the extracts were to be introduced was considered on the way down but the sheets got somewhat mixed in brother hyatt's pocket before it was time to use them the enemies of satan with their carefully prepared batteries of pious invective and calvinistic hymns landed safely under the bridge late in the afternoon the canoe was pulled out brother hyatt peeked over the top of the embankment and saw that the chairs on the store platform were all filled and that its edge was festooned with the usual attendance tipton posey pop wilkins bill stiles doc dust bill werrick the jaundiced viking the serpent's hiss and the other regulars were all there the vineyard looked ripe and inviting bill stiles hailed the proselyters cordially as they approached the stronghold say rat why are you been buried all this time bill they's something wonderful happened to me i've got religion a great light has come to me and i've repented of all my sins i've brought that gun and them cartridges that i traded your dog for and i want you to find that feller and give him back to him i done wrong and i want to square things up three or four times i sold spot knowing he'd come home but i've spent the money i'm gonna get some of my friends to pay back every cent if i can find the fellers that bought em that'll make your friends awful happy rat say you certainly are a pippin what done all this never mind bill you'll see the light some day no man knows when the spirit cometh brother butters and i are gonna hold some services out in front o' the store this afternoon we want all the chairs fixed nice and even brother brothers will teach and i am gonna line out hymn passages along with the sermon we ain't got no music but me linin em out'll be just the same as if i they was played in tunes for it'll show what they are i hope that some of you fellers'll bite on what's offered rat was regarded with much concealed levity and mock respect as he arranged the chairs in a curved row and further developments were awaited with suppressed interest bill stiles joyfully accepted the centre of the row tipton posey and the serpent's hiss were at the ends after the chairs were filled the rest of the audience sat along the edge of the platform and dangled its feet brother butters and brother hyatt brought out a box which they placed on the ground about twenty feet from the audience brother butters thought that a little distance would add dignity and solemnity during the preparations the similarity of the chair arrangement on the platform to that in the minstrel show at the county seat which nearly everybody present had attended during the preceding winter occurred to tipton posey mr brown he called to bill stiles in the center yes mr bones responded bill instantly catching the spirit of the occasion mr brown why is this congregation like a tenpenny nail i don't know mr bones why this congregation is like a tenpenny nail why is this congregation like a tenpenny nail 
because mr brown it's gonna be driven in sagely replied mr bones with a significant glance at the gathering rain clouds overhead gentlemen please shed your hats said brother hyatt as he pounded for order on the box with a carrot that he had taken from a basket in the store brother butters will now lead in prayer during the invocation which was brief but heartfelt spot walked out and stretched himself on the ground in front of the box brother butters and brother hyatt both ended the prayer with loud amens here are the lines of the first hymn announced brother hyatt blow ye the trumpet blow the gladly solemn sound let all the nations know to earth's remotest bound the day of jubilee is come return ye ransomed sinners home and now the living waters flow to cheer the humble soul from sea to sea the rivers go and spread from pole to pole brother butters then began his discourse most of which consisted of written extracts from old calvinistic exhortations our sermon this afternoon is on the subject of the eternity of hell torments and the text is from matthew twenty five forty six the shall go away into everlasting punishment brother hyatt amen now feel ye the sting of the lash of the prophet lo on a narrow neck of land twixt two unbounded seas i stand yet how insensible a point of time a moment's space removes me to yon heavenly place or shuts me up in hell brother butters you have a glorious opportunity to-day that may never come again the door of mercy is opened wide but the path that leads to it is long and narrow a slight swerve leads to the fiery pit many come from the east the west the north the south and many fall we may conceive of the fierceness of that awful fire of wrath if we think of a spider or other noisome insect thrown into the midst of glowing coals how immediately it yields and curls and withers in the frightful heat what pleasure we take in its agonizing destruction here is a little image of what ye may expect if ye persist in sin and a picture of the place where pestilential sinners wail brother hyatt amen oh hear ye the happy message since man by sin has lost his god he seeks creation through and vainly hopes for solid bliss in trying something new brother butters the thought comes to me that the row of sinners in yonder chairs typifies sin in its vilest form that of a snake tip at one end suggests the tail and dick shakes whom ye call the serpent's hiss at the other represents the loathsome head it was a snake that carried sin into the garden of eden it is a snake that confronts the lord's service at this meeting and in my mind's eye i see that writhing serpent breeze shaken and hair hung over the yawning abyss of hell brother hyatt can you beat that o oh, blissful thought there seems a voice in every gale a tongue in every opening flower 
Bill Styles. This is hot stuff. Brother Butters. How will the duration of torment without end cause the heart to melt like wax? Even those proud, sturdy, and hell-hardened spirits, the devils, tremble at the thoughts of that greater torture, which they are to suffer on the day of judgment. The poor damned souls of men will have their misery vastly augmented. Brother Hyatt, Amen! They will get the limit! O oh Lord, behold me, and see how vile I am! Brother Butters, the fierceness of a great fire, as when a house is all in flames, gives one an idea of its rage, and we see that the greater the fire is, the fiercer is its heat in every part, and the reason is because one part heats another part. Bill Stiles, If that rain don't come pretty soon, you fellers talk'll set fire to that box. Brother Hyatt, The mockery of sinners availeth not, now listen to another verse. I love to tell the story, tis pleasant to repeat, what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. Brother Butters, we have seen that the misery of the departed soul of a sinner, besides what it now feels, consists in amazing fears of what is yet to come. When the union of the soul and the body is actually broken, and the body has fetched its last gasp, the soul forsakes the old habitation, and then falls into the hands of devils, who fly upon it and seize it more violently than ever hungry lions flew upon their prey. Brother Hyatt, Amen! Oh, what a finish! They are no ice-hunks there! Fresh as the grass our bodies stand and flourish bright as day, a blasting wind sweeps o'er the land and fades the grass away. Brother Butters, we now come to the joy of the saints in heaven, who behold the sufferings of sinners and unbaptized infants in hell. They shall see their doleful state, and it will heighten their sense of blessedness. When they shall see the smoke of their torment and the raging of the flames, and hear their dolorous shrieks and cries, and consider that they in the meantime are in the most blissful state for all eternity, how they will rejoice. Brother Hyatt, O oh, listen ye to the comforts of the church, O oh, speed that happy day. Hark, hark, the notes of joy roll o'er the heavenly plains and all the seraphs find employ for their sublimest strains. Brother Butters, the scriptures plainly teach that the saints in glory shall see the doleful state of the damned, and witness the execution of almighty wrath. Brother Hyatt, Amen! Oh, the transporting rapturous scene that rises to my sight! Brother Butters, the sight of hell torments will exalt the happiness of the saints forever, and give them a more lively relish of the joys of their heavenly home. The righteous and the wicked in the other world will see each other's state. Thus the rich man in hell and Lazarus and Abraham in heaven are represented as seeing each other in the sixteenth chapter of Luke. The wicked in their misery will see the saints in the kingdom of heaven. Luke thirteen twenty eight twenty nine, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. 
Brother Hyatt. The seraphs bright are hovering around the throne above. Their harps are ever tuning to thrilling strains of love. They'll tell the sweet old story I always loved so well. Oh, let me float in glory and hear sinners wail in hell. Brother Butters, now come we to the procrastination practiced by the average sinner, and in Proverbs 27, 1, we find the words, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Brother Hyatt, the lilies of the field that quickly fade away may well to us a lesson yield, for we are frail as they. Brother Butters, dear friends, tomorrow is not our own. There are many ways and means whereby the lives of men are ended. It is written in the book of Job, chapter 21, verse 23, that one dieth in his full strength, being wholly at ease and quiet. Brother Hyatt, Amen! Now listen ye unto these words. Melt, melt these frozen hearts, these stubborn wills subdue. Each evil passion overcome and form them all anew. Brother Butters, O ye unregenerates, that wallow in sin and wickedness on that platform. God despises you, and the flames await you. Go down upon your accursed knees tonight and beseech salvation. This is Friday. Saturday may be too late, and everything in the way of grace may be gone. Brother Hyatt, slim chance for this bunch. It's you to the red-hot hooks. Hark, what celestial notes, what melody do we hear? Soft on the morn it floats and fills the ravished ear. Brother Butters, how can you be reasonably quiet for one day or for one night when you know not when the end will come? If you should be found unregenerate, how fearful would be the consequence. Consider and hearken unto this counsel. Repent and be prepared for death. The bow of wrath is bent. The arrow is made ready on the string and nothing but the restraint of almighty anger keeps the arrow one moment from being made drunk with your blood. Brother Hyatt, Amen, Amen. O ye tight wads of iniquity, loosen up, for this is the last call. Let floods of penitential grief burst forth from every eye. Brother Butters, be prepared for the opening of the eternal gates of pearl that are bathed in the light that shines for the meek and the pure in heart. The blessings of repentance are now before you. The choice of taking or leaving is yours. Brother Hyatt, nothing could be fairer than that. Oh, bless the harps that played the tune that brings us together this afternoon. Brother Butters, be prepared for that awful day of judgment when the paths that lead to heaven and the paths that lead to hell are divided by the width of a hair. Brother Hyatt, Amen, Amen. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. At this point the rain descended out of the kindly skies. The flaming oratory was extinguished, 
and everybody retreated into the store. It was getting dark, and while the services were not completed, the exhorters felt that much spiritual progress had been made. Most of the regulars departed silently when the shower was over. "'Say, Rat, was that you down on the marsh the night we tried the goose call?' asked Bill Wirrick. "'I seen somebody out near the channel when them funny streaks was in the sky. Since it all come out about the goose call, we don't try to keep it dark no more. The fellers round the store got onto it, and they been devilin' the life out of me and Tip. The dead gasted thing wouldn't work, and we've took it apart.' We tried to make it sound like a flock of geese, but it sounded more like a flock of thunderstorms. Them sky streaks that night was a funny thing. They's a paper here, Summers, that got it all in. Let me see if I can find it. Tip had it yesterday. Wirrick finally found the newspaper. Hyatt took it to the dim kerosene lamp and spent some time studying the long account of the magnetic storm. It was explained by scientific authorities and bemoaned by the interests it had affected. The telegraph and telephone companies had been put out of business for several hours, and commerce had suffered while Hyatt's soul was being purified in celestial fires. Disillusionment came. As long as the things that were going on in the world were natural and could be explained, Rat saw no reason for worrying about the next. A cherished idol was shattered. His piety was Dead Sea fruit. With the calmness of a cool gamester who has thrown and lost his all, slightly pale, but with firm and deliberate step, he went behind the door and secured the rifle and cartridges he had asked Bill Stiles to restore to the swindled trapper. With no word of farewell to those around him, he lighted his long-neglected old pipe, reeking with sin and nicotine, whistled a spot, and walked away down the path to the river bank where the canoe had been left, and disappeared. Brother Butters went out on the platform and looked longingly after him. Night had fallen upon the river. Somewhere far away in the purple gloom that softly lay upon its dimpling and restless tide was a lost sheep. Its fleece had become black, but it was more precious than the ninety and nine that were still within the fold. End of chapter 6, part 2 Recording by Tom Hirsch